This is Corey Willis with PPI, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. This is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Braden Fleece, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. We wanted to get you guys some updates. We have Dynamite Diesel Products as the official injector of the Diesel Podcast for 2020 and 2021. Recently, we did an episode with Lenny Reed, the founder of DDP, and he touched on some really cool things that they're working on with injector precision accuracy and be able to really do anything you need an injector set to do. But we also jumped into more entrepreneurial and business topics as well for the diesel shop owners that listen out there, or if you're you're a truck guy and you're in construction or in another field or you're thinking about starting your own business, a lot of these guys have amazing stories about overcoming different obstacles and you know, making a name for themselves in the industry they're in. So we want to continue to share those with you, and we look forward to more episodes with DDP. Also, we have BD Diesel as the official turbo of the podcast, and we did an episode with Christian Roth, and he was telling us about single and compound turbo kits, different things that they're working on for Cummins, Duramax, and Power Stroke trucks, not just the older ones, but also the new ones, and being able to manufacture turbo kits that fit in line with emissions compliance and things that their customers are wanting from them. So we've got a series of episodes planned with BD Diesel. Really look forward to to jumping into a ton of different turbo topics with them. And we also want to make an announcement. We have RevMax Converters. They're partnering with us. They're going to be the official transmission of the Diesel Podcast. And there's so many topics for us to cover, whether it's 68 RFEs, the new Allison 10 speeds, the Ford transmission, 48 REs, whole bunch of topics so make sure and and subscribe whether it's on youtube itunes any of the podcast apps we're going to have some transmission episodes coming up with revmax converters on today's episode we have stephen cox he's a youtuber and he specializes in making content about diesel being a diesel mechanic he has a, a really popular page some of his videos have millions of downloads on them and they're really about anything sometimes it's heavy equipment diesel engines sometimes it's a power stroke a cummins duramax a whole different series of of topics and he's going to be on today we're going to ask him how did his youtube channel come about how did he get interested in being a diesel mechanic and what's his story how did how did all this come together to have a successful business and also have a you know really popular youtube page we know a lot of you guys out there are gonna love to hear from someone who you know chose being a mechanic as a career field and some tips and advice he'd give you and then also just if you want to know how to fix things he's got great videos on how to do that All right, let's get to the podcast with Steven and talking about being a diesel mechanic and also a successful YouTuber. Steven, it is great to have you on the the diesel podcast today. I'm really excited to chat with you and have our listeners hear your story of what you do in diesel and really appreciate you reaching out to us on social media to, you know, talk about an episode and some different topics in diesel that are, you know, really popular right now. So it's gonna be a fun conversation. I'm really glad I could chat with you today. Yeah, absolutely, man. I really appreciate you. Um, it's so hard to get a hold of people on Facebook. It's weird. I've sent like, I don't know, a thousand emails over last year, I think is what I counted. And I got like a 5% response rate. <laughs> it's terrible. And yeah, I heard, uh, uh, listen, been listening to the diesel podcast for a little while and immediately uh, wanted to hop on Facebook and see if I could get on, man. I love the podcast, love all the guys that you have on here. And Honestly, it's a little intimidating about the the amount of talent that you got that you've got on your podcast is amazing, man. The the guys that I've listened to, um, I mean, I, I know 
my fair share about mechanic work and, and diesels and everything, but some of these guys just blow me away with their knowledge base of what they figured out on these trucks and what they figured out and just in the diesel world you know, altogether. What's so cool, and we chatted a little bit before, you know, about this is when, you know, you go to events or <clears throat> dyno days or, you know, you're, you're traveling, you stop by this big diesel company and you get to chat with the owner <clears throat> or the engineers or different people. It's like, it, it's so cool to have those conversations, but the access can be so hard, you know, because they're there at a booth or it's an open house or an event. They may not have the yeah. time to talk about things, but what's, that's, what's, amazing and so much fun about the podcast is talking you know with people and it was really cool because when you messaged us and uh, you said hey i got a youtube channel check it out and i go on there and you have amazing diesel content and i wanted to ask you you know kind of just thank you to to start like at the beginning is what drew you into being a diesel enthusiast then also doing it as a career like right at the beginning and then we'll go through like how that transformed into a youtube channel and you know, tons of views and tons of content that you're producing. Yeah, man. The, uh, the best way I can explain it to people is I was just born to be a mechanic ever since I was, I think I was three years old. My dad gave me a little tool set and it had a really, really cheap black and yellow Phillips screwdriver in it. I think every kid starts with the same screwdriver. (laughs) Um, he had a little cheap hammer and everything. And uh, one morning my dad couldn't find me and they went outside and at three o'clock in the morning, I was taking all the screws out of his station wagon and I had taken all the front lights off, all the rear lights off. Uh, I'd taken all the screws out of the instrument cluster, any Phillips head screw that could be removed. It was missing off that car. And of course I didn't keep a single stupid screw. They're all, they're all gone missing, <laughs> but I used to just be fascinated with mechanical anything. It didn't matter what it was. And fortunately enough, my dad was always broke, so he was always having to work on his own vehicles, and I was always right next to him trying to ask him, you know, the uh, the annoying, I don't know if you have kids or not, but I love my sons to death, but when you're trying to get a project done, it's sure can great on your nerves to have him sit there next to you asking about everything, so I don't know how my dad put up with it, but I just um, kept mechanicing, um, kept learning a little bit. And then when I was about 14, my dad had this little 1982 Mazda B2000 truck. And then when I turned 15, he gave me the keys to it. And he said, look, I have tried everything I can think of to this truck to fix it. I cannot figure it out. It won't start. It's your truck. You can figure it out. You can have it. You don't owe me a dime for it. So I uh, went and bought a uh, Haynes manual and bought some more tools and then um, worked on it and figured out it just needed a timing chain it was it was snapping the um you know, this roll pin off the distributor on it long story short but i put it back together and then put another clutch in it by myself and it just went from there and then in um, 2001 i decided to go to universal technical institute down in houston for automotive and diesel technology and that's really my first experience around diesel as i knew nothing about diesel at all other than diesel fuel was just different than gasoline. And I didn't know how it was different when I was 18 or 19. So I went to UTI and there was a, um, Det- uh, a two stroke Detroit diesel uh, engine there. And I remember falling in love with that engine, never heard it run, never got to work on it, but just seeing it. And then after that, uh, it was kind of a hodgepodge of, uh, mechanic jobs. I went, my very first mechanic job was at a Mack truck dealer, uh, just changing oil and then got, Promoted from there, went to, or if you consider it a promotion, I guess, doing oil changes after that and then changing uh, clutches. And I swapped um, 
couple of different career choices and ended up at a municipality for a couple of years and oil filled for five years. And the whole time, uh, I just, I don't ever remember a particular period of my life when I just wasn't absolutely fascinated with engines and, and just anything to do with mechanic and mechanical nature. It didn't even have to be cars. Um, and then my curiosity really started growing in diesel right around 2010 because uh, I started an oil field and all the engines we worked on were mainly Caterpillar engines that the, a lot of people don't know that the natural gas compression field, these engines all are, con they're diesel engines converted to run on natural gas. So the long block is all the same. The short block is all the same. The head is different. Um, but I started, you know, researching and studying these engines and getting to know them and then really kind of fell in love with the diesel world. And I, I'd always heard, no matter where I went, that every mechanic that I talked to said the same thing. And I'm sure you've heard this same, you know, the same same line of BS that like, oh man, you know, them diesels, they're they're you gotta find a special mechanic to work on them. They need all these specialty tools, and you gotta have these scanners and might as well just get one under warranty because they're just magic and it seemed like that was a, a really, really uh, popular mentality up until about 2010, 2011. And, and I really think that since the internet and YouTube and everything got really, really popular, people started uploading videos and getting that knowledge into guys' hands that could watch a video and be like, okay, well, there's nothing really that crazy going on in a, in a diesel fuel injector that I can't understand. Now, I couldn't design one or anything, but... You know, thanks to the um, uh, the internet, and YouTube, and everything, that it's actually a, I'm actually able to uh, just pull out my phone and then kind of get a gist of any system on the planet how it works. And ever since then, I've just been glued to diesels. That's what's uh, amazing about YouTube is is the access to information and <clears throat> being able to find tutorials or help or it doesn't even have to be diesel or automotive related. I use YouTube all the time to figure out something. If I got to take it apart or why is this doing this? And, and I think you're absolutely right that that changed it. And you were talking about, you know, being passionate about, you know, engines and interested in them. I was in a different way in that I'm not that mechanical. I mean, I can do some basic stuff, but I am definitely not talented mm -hmm. when it comes to being able to, you know, diagnose and build and, 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 and fix something. But it was like my whole right. life, it was gas vehicles. It was gas trucks. It was, you know, that was just kind of what we were around. And then I just remember seeing a diesel truck once and, and I'm like, they can make that much torque and you can yeah. do this to it and do that to it. And still be able to daily drive it. And it was just like, it got me interested. And, and something that's really fascinating and interesting that I definitely want to go into more detail with you is how you used YouTube to be able to showcase or show things that you're seeing, whether it's on heavy equipment, whether it's on a 7.3 Power Stroke, a 6 liter, a, a Dodge Ram Cummins truck. What? How did that come about, starting a YouTube channel, and then how have you been using it to you know, share this, this information and knowledge? Well, um... I've always had a passion for a couple of things. My, my number one passion's always been mechanical stuff. And number two is kind of explaining and teaching things to people. Um, so that I kind of had the avenue to do that, to be able to do that in YouTube. But the way I started off of it was kind of by accident, really. Uh, when I was working in the oil field in 2014, I had quit a company in favor of a higher paid position at a different company and a higher level position. 
And I was there for about four months and ended up getting fired. And after that, on the way home, uh, I was literally, I had to ride in the passenger seat of my service truck while one of their employees drove me home to unload the truck. I was making phone calls, trying to find another job. And um, uh, just a whole long story short, I went to my brother-in-law's shop, worked on some heavy equipment. And after five weeks of that, my wife had talked me into like, look, just start your own gig. You know, just start working for your own stuff. You got people beating down the door wanting you to work on their stuff. So we talked about it and jumped in both feet and I had, I was broke. Uh, I didn't have a lot of savings in anything. I didn't have any investments. So I borrowed a, uh, my brother-in-law's truck. I got it. It was a 1999 F250 Ford 7.3. With any of you 7.3 owners out there know for a fact about how bad these stupid water pumps are on these trucks for the freaking bearing, bearing in the front, just popping out and destroying your radiator and fan and everything. So his truck had been sitting for two years. I went and picked it up, got it, and borrowed a trailer and then started doing um, mechanic work. But one of my customers had had, I forgot what it was like, I think it was one of those piggyback forklifts that go on the back of a flatbed 18-wheeler that you see them all the time for unloading uh, like sheetrock or bricks and things like that. Well, he had a problem with it and uh, his mechanic came out, couldn't figure it out. And I went over there and jacked with it and got it running. And uh, he asked me, he said, what do you know about equipment? And I'm like, hardly, hardly that much. He goes, uh, well, can you work on this? And so I immediately switched from doing mobile automotive and the occasional diesel truck to just 100% equipment. Well, I started thinking, what's the best way that I could advertise? So Patrick, say you're, you're an, a company owner, you've got your day-to-day operation, you're busy. I come into your company and because this is what I used to do. I used to uh, walk into a business, shake hands and ask who, who's in charge of your uh, equipment maintenance. And it usually was the owner. So I come up to you, shake your hands, and I, I will and deal you. You're impressed by all the words that came out of my mouth and everything. But at the end of the day, you start thinking about it. You're like, I don't know anything about this guy, if he's any good. I mean, this guy could just immediately drain all the oil out of my equipment and cause me $100,000 worth of damage. So you're not going to really be comfortable hiring me to come out. It's like, if I started filming this and put it on YouTube, then I'd have a way that I could hand you a business card and tell you, look, there's a link to YouTube channel, uh, YouTube channel on here. It's got some of the jobs that I've done in the past where you can check out the type of work that I do and the quality of work. If it's something that suits your business, give me a call. Um, you know, what, what kind of things do you have that's broken right now that you need, that needs attention? And they would tell me, and I'd always offer like, Hey, I'll go fix it right now. And, um, the fact that I handed him that card and I would willing to fix it right then on the spot or, you know, at the latest that night, the guys were like, well, that's, you know, and I had one customer was like, you know, the fact that you had the link, you know, cause I even typed in your link because I've never been on YouTube. Not once I had my assistant bring up your channel just so I could go look at your video because in the fact that you're willing to put your videos in front of the customer like that, because you got a, a customer for life, man, uh, I'll give you a shot. And so I just used it as advertisement and that was it. Um, and that worked well. I had no aspirations to have a huge channel. I didn't realize you could make money on YouTube. I wasn't trying to make money on YouTube. Um, I didn't have any aspirations to be anything famous. I just wanted to advertise my business. And then uh, one night I had this, or one one time, I think it's about 2015, I had this customer that had this skid steer and it needed this cast iron welding repair. And so I took this hub to a couple of different places in Fort Worth, uh, Fort Worth, Texas, and everybody was scared to death to weld on this cast iron. And I think I had one guy that uh, it was like a four inch weld and that was it. And he called, he quoted me $950, zero guarantees that it wouldn't crack um, and needed me to sign a waiver and a release form saying he wasn't responsible for it at all. 
So that made me a little bit nervous and I started uh, whooped out YouTube. I was like, how to weld cast iron. And I found another YouTuber that was a really popular welder. And I was actually, I had, I have two displays for my computer at home and I had the YouTube uh, uh, window popped up on one and it was just auto playing his videos and I was doing something over on the left. And I noticed that I recognized this guy's, uh, one of these roads that this guy was driving down. I was like, holy crap, he's in my area. I didn't realize it. So I wrote him a message at 9.30 at night saying, hey, this is my name. You know, I'm Stephen Cox. I need this welded up. Here's a link to my channel just so you know I'm not some crazy stalker. I can pay you cash, you know, or however you want to be paid. So he called me like five minutes later. He said, yeah, bring it over. So I brought it over to him. And lo and behold, man, he heats and he preheated it and cleaned it up. He preheated it. He welded it and started talking about YouTube. And I asked him, I was like, so what do you do for a living? He goes, I make YouTube videos for a living. I go, no, you don't. He goes, yeah. I go, well, what do you mean? How do you make money in that? And he explains it to me and everything. And then I asked him, I was like, man, not to, I don't want to know your personal finances or anything. This is going to sound really bad, but it's more out of curiosity. Like how much money can you possibly make off of YouTube? And uh, he told me, he's like, well, um, right now I'm making about 10 to 12 grand a month, you know, on average. And I go, seriously? He goes, yeah, the, the lowest month I had this year is about eight grand. And I go, holy crap. Are you serious? He goes, yeah. <laughs> I go, son of a. And I started having this, this epiphany all of a sudden. I was like, you know what? If I, if, if anybody could have their mortgage or their rent taken care of every single month, what would you do for a career now? You know, and that's the way I looked at it. If I could just make it successful enough just to pay my rent, I could, you know, I could go out and do all kinds of stuff. Cause I'm not, you know, that was the only major bill that I had. I didn't have any credit cards. I didn't have any car payments or anything. So as long as that was taken care of, I'd be doing a lot better. So I, uh, I asked him, I was like, man, can I kind of collaborate with you and you can kind of teach me the ropes? I'm a mechanic. I can do your mechanic work. You're a welder. I can find you welding work. And so we had a very mutually beneficial relationship and he kind of taught me the ropes of uh, YouTube and that worked out well until about 2017. Um, the YouTube channel really took off and I had moved down to San Antonio for a, uh, to satisfy a customer that had uh, paid me a lump sum just to move down there and work on nothing but his equipment. Still maintain my own company and everything, but have one customer kind of deal. And uh, I was working 70, 80, 90 hours a week with that guy. And I'd been working, I think, 65 to 70 hours a week since 2009. And my, I have two sons and a wife, and my home life started really, really struggling because I was at work, you know, way too often. And I was starting to kind of really prefer to be at work, you know, because if you, I don't know if you ever, I don't know if you're married or have kids or anything, but if you ever neglect your wife and neglect your kids, they'll let you know about it pretty quick. Um, and so I just decided, you know what, it was, it's not worth it. I'm just going to live off just nothing but my YouTube earnings, which was significantly less than I was making at the time. But something weird happened. I, within about a couple of months, I was making about a third what I was making, but it sure felt like I was richer because I could just stay home with the kids and I could drop my kids off. I could go pick them up, eat lunch with them. I could eat lunch with my wife. I could you know, do everything that I wanted to do at home and do the YouTube videos and juggle it all. And it worked out extremely well. So you know, that's kind of the the whole reason I got into YouTube and where I'm at now, you know, and it's been a, a such a crazy ride. Like I, I still can't believe that I make a living the way I do and getting to talk to guys like you and getting to, you know, meet, you know, different, uh, you know, large YouTubers and different, you know, company owners and everything. It's a, it's just an amazing, uh, opportunity that I've had for it, you know, and a lot of it's been luck and a lot of it's been hard work, but you know, I'm just, it's, I'm, ne I'm always baffled about 
where I'm at and uh, where God puts me in my, you know, down the road. It's like, it's, you would have asked me three years ago, I would have laughed at your face if you would have told me I was a YouTuber. <laughs> What's so fascinating about this is there's there's been episodes that we've done recently that touch on a lot of different things you mentioned. And when you were talking about YouTube and content and loving the mechanical side is uh, all these messages were running through my head that I I've seen come in on Instagram or to our email mm-hmm. where there are people who are, you know, were earlier in that process where you were at one point and they have these big ideas and this passion and they want to do something and they, they're looking for people who have either done it um, like a mentor or they're looking for encouragement to do it because they want to see diesel continue to grow and be something that you can have a career with that you can support your family with that you can take vacations that you can embrace the entire lifestyle of it and when I was on your YouTube channel I saw I saw everything like I there was a, a stuck 48re converter how to get a 48re converter <laughs> <laughs> there was a broken input shaft there yeah. was some 73 stuff there is some you know heavy equipment things and it's very engaging the way that you do them and I definitely encourage all of our listeners to to subscribe to your channel and check it out and we'll put a link out there as well when awesome. when uh, the podcast goes live but for anyone that's listening right now and they're you know, maybe kind of in that position where they're in another career, but they know they want to do this or they want to have a voice, they want to do something in diesel, what are some tips or advice that you would give them as they're getting ready to do it or to encourage them to do it, to, to have a career in diesel? I could say that the very first thing, and this kind of spills over to anything that you're interested in, not just diesel. Um, if you are interested in diesel, obviously there's a, a way to go about it. But if you're interested in getting into the diesel world, or let's say it's always been in the back of your mind to start your own business, your own, start your own shop or whatever it is, you're going to have to put a pen to paper and set some goals and make a plan to accomplish that. And you need to, you need to do it because if it's in the back of your mind now, it's going to be in the back of your mind forever until you make that jump. And even if you make the jump and you fail at it, not a single person out there is going to judge you for failing at it. And you're not going to fail at it. Um, as long as you try, that's the only thing that guys that procrastinate about it. And then they think about it in the back of their mind, you know, man, I wish I could have been a diesel mechanic, you know, and they, they say that when they're 20 and then when they're 25, they still kind of think about it. And then 30 and 35, and now they're kind of settled down with a family and everything. But you just have to take the jump and, and take the leap to fate into it for one. Um, and stop, you know, it, it it's like my dad used to always say, it's like shit or get out of the pot. You know, it's like either, and, and that's one of those things, like in my opinion, if you let that go, if it's in your heart to get into the diesel world or um, and to get into this field and you're kind of dragging your feet, you're going to get pretty sour over the next decade if you don't try it because you're going to beat your, you end up beating yourself up for missing that opportunity. Um, so one, you, you got to, you got to set some goals and, and literally sit down and write out, okay, I want to be, let's say, let's go through the whole thing. You've always wanted to be a diesel mechanic. Diesels have always fascinated you like they have me. You would know nothing about diesels at all. Okay. You have no, no knowledge of it. You just know you're fascinated about it. You want to get in the industry. You make up you, you have to figure out what side of the industry do you want to get on? Uh, I wanted to get on the mechanic side. So starting a mechanic, um, 
go to the any shop that you you know sit out look in your city find you know if you're fortunate enough to have multiple diesel shops great if you're not and you really want to be a diesel mechanic you're going to end up having to move um i get messages from guys all the time that live in uh, bfe somewhere you know just some really really small little town and like yeah there's no diesel shops and i really want to be a diesel mechanic and i tell them well either start your own diesel shop and hope for the best or move you know, I suggest moving, get your experience, and then you can come back to your, your hometown or whatever and, and open your shop or get that job that you want. Um, but go to these shops, you know, dress nice. <clears throat> like I've got a video, it's called something like uh, uh, Watch This Before You Enter uh, Auto Diesel School or something like that. And the way you dress is important to go into it. Uh, the most important thing is your your ability to walk in and talk to these people the way I could tell you how I got my, how I got into the diesel industry. Um, and it'll give you some of you guys like a, in my opinion, a good, good way to get into it. So I had went to the universal technical Institute in Houston in 2001. I didn't finish the program. I didn't get my certificate of completion, anything. I ended up partying too much and getting kicked out of school for not showing up. Um, so the first job that I ever had was 2003, 2004 is at a Mack truck dealer I walked in there, um, dressed decent, you know, decent pair of shoes, clean pair of blue jeans, a button down shirt, walked in, talked to the service advisor. And I went to five or six other shops and talked to him. like, look, my name is uh, Stephen Cox. I went to this diesel school. I'd love to be a diesel mechanic. I have zero experience. I'm willing to start wherever you can put me. And I really like this one particular diesel shop. So I told the guys like, hey, out of all the shops I've been to, this is the nicest, cleanest facility. I'd really like to work here. And he kind of gave me the, ha, ah, yeah, well, you know, we're not hiring. So I just made it a point every other week until I got hired uh, on a two, I always went on a Tuesday. I just went in, I shook hands with the guy and I always told him the same thing. Hey, I'm not here to annoy you. I'm not here to take up your time. I'm here to let you know I'm serious that I want a job here. And the second time I came up, he kind of gave me attitude. And the third time I came up, he kind of gave me attitude. But the fourth time I came up, um, he's like, you know what? Our, we need a porter. Our porter just got fired, you know, Monday. I'm glad you're here. When can you start? I was like, I can start today if you like. And so I started that way and getting into the field, you're not going to be able to have zero experience and go into the maximum pay area of the field or have all of the, you know, uh, the prestige of being the, the, the lead tech. You're, it's just not going to happen. You have got to start in the bottom. And if you're not, if your ego is so big that you can't start there, then you're not, there's nowhere for you to start because everybody in this industry started there. I'm sure Patrick, that you started there, not knowing a single thing about it. I started there, you know, all the guys have been on your podcast, you know, they didn't start with all the knowledge based in, based in their head. They started with getting on forums and researching this and, and watching YouTube videos. And hopefully, you know, some of the guys were fortunate enough to buy their own diesel truck and start modifying. And if they're not, then they uh, you know, get the service manual for it and read it and, and start understanding this knowledge. And then when you go to these shops to get a job, you, you actually have the knowledge, a little bit of knowledge, and you can you know what oil is. You know what an oil filter is. You know the basics of it, so you're not so... Uh, so a boss is looking at it like, I don't have to train this guy so much. He also is looking at it like, if you show up to my shop consistently to get a, you know, like an entry-level position like that, you know, as far as an oil change tech or the, the bottom of the line, or the bottom of the rung kind of... Uh, or the, excuse me, let me rephrase that, sound it better. But the first step in your career your steps to your career, then that that boss is going to look at it like, this is the guy I want. This guy's passionate about it. I can guarantee you guys that 
any shop you go to, there's a 99% chance there has never been an employee come in there more than once asking for a job or that motivated to get a job there, especially at a diesel shop for some reason. If you walk in there, you you know dress your best and you talk to the service advisor or the forum or foreman, shake his hand, that's going to go uh, set you a world apart. I mean, don't play the phone call game. Don't play the I sent him six emails game. I submitted 16 applications. Always try to get some sort of somebody on the phone or face to face and get them. You be nice about it. Be curious, but get them to explain to you the no. And if they do tell you no, be be very polite about it. Just say, hey, I really, really appreciate that. Is there anything that you can tell me or any advice that you can give me to better my chances to where I can get a job in the next place? And a lot of times that might even turn that conversation around to, you know what, let's give you that shot. Um, if you don't have that opportunity available, there's other programs out there. Like uh, one of my my huge, uh, I'm a massive fan of his work is a uh, micro. Micro has a micro works foundation where they give out scholarships um, to people that want to get in like the skilled trades industry. And they work with Caterpillar and a bunch of other ones. And if you want to get into the diesel world and you don't have like, when I wanted to get in diesel world, I was piss poor broke. I didn't have a dollar to my name. I was living at my mom's house. You know, I was like 20, 21. I don't even think I had, I think I had a 65 GT Mustang and the engine was sitting on the ground next to it. Um, so I had, <laughs> I'm sure we've all been there. Uh, I had nothing. And if that's their situation, uh, some of these larger companies can be a stepping stone for you or a career path like Caterpillar, um, where you go in, you apply, you get accepted. They send you to the school, they pay for your tools, they pay you while you're going to school. And it's a really good opportunity for guys because you don't end up in uh, student loan debt doing that because all these technical colleges out there, every single one of them will gladly yoke you with 20,000, 30, $40,000 in school debt to get you in that diesel program. It's not necessarily needed if you're willing to put in the work and go, uh, go around, you know, go a different path to get to the same uh, finish line or the same uh, career choice. But I mean, really just, um, Staying passionate about it and keeping your head up and expecting to know. I mean, you're, well, I did say door to door sales for about a year and a half. And I remember they always told us like, man, you're searching for the no, because you're going to get a no. You have to accept the the, the, the fact that you're going to get told no, whether it's trying to get in diesel, uh, diesel mechanic, trying to get in a diesel industry, trying to start your own diesel, um, diesel shop and your diesel parts sales, any of that stuff. When you're going to people or you're going to potential customers or buyers or investors, you're going to get told no a lot. You know, it just comes with the territory. Just be willing to accept that no and then take that no and learn from it and go on and, and turn it into a yes. Well, everything you just mentioned is so true. And it reminds me of my own experience, but it was different because I wasn't the mechanical mm-hmm. per se. But I loved I loved diesels and I wanted to get involved in the part side, like the sales and the marketing and talking to people. And it was a very similar story where I was working in a completely different industry. Um, it, it was in construction management and I wasn't passionate about it. Mm-hmm. It didn't really excite me. I mean, it was, it was good money, you know, for the age I was at and I, yeah. you know, kind of liked it. And I just made this decision, like you had talked about, you know, you have this idea and you're 20 and then you're 25 and then you start to get older and you want to settle down and you want to do these different things. Well, when are you going to do it? And I got to that point and I thought, I need to do something. And it was, it was so similar as like where I live, there's this huge diesel company. And I said, Hey, are you guys hiring? And they said, no, not right now. We might, you know, in the future, but, um, 
not right now. I said, okay, well, can I come in and just chat with you guys? And I, you know, I dressed nice. I went in, I, I met with them and they said, hey, we'll keep you in mind. Um, but we're not ready right now. So I made a point that in my phone, I would mark down every, every month I was going to follow up. And I did for six months. It took six months until I think they just got tired of <laughs> bugging them where they're like, it's a great idea though. When can you start? Yeah. And they're like, when can you start? And I'm like today. And they're like, all right, well, um, you know, let's start tomorrow and do it. And it was, I got to be in on, you know, cause I love talking to people. I love talking about truck parts and, and everything. And it was just like, that was my foot in the door. It wasn't easy. I didn't start out on some high pay grade. It was pretty much just like, you got to hustle. You got to do a good job. You got to, you know, you got to take care of customers. Mm-hmm. And if I look at the podcast, it's kind of like your YouTube channel. I never planned to do a podcast at all. Mm-hmm. And I never thought it would be a career, which it is. That's, that's my full-time job is being able to chat with you know, guys like you and shop owners and, and, you know, different people out there. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. But you have to be humble in it. You have to expect people to tell you no. You have to expect that you're not just going to walk in the door, get six figures, and everything's going to be smooth sailing. It might be a long journey. It might take a while. You know, yeah. like, I'm sure with your YouTube channel, you, you saw a point like you, know, you started putting content out there and you get some traffic and then you start to get a little more and a little more. And then you look back and you're like, how did I get 200,000 subscribers and millions of views a year? And it just, I think it happens with, with determination and passion and the plan that you mentioned with, you know, having a vision for it. So even if, you know, someone's listening out there and they're like, you know, I'm not that mechanical. I, I, I don't think I could do that, but I want to be involved in talking about it or marketing or engineering or something like that. There's so many different parts of diesel that we can all work in and have a career in and be successful and have fun. Cause that's really the most important part of it is, do you enjoy what you do? So, yeah, I mean, there, there's no, there's no spot in this industry that you're going to walk in the door and make a hundred thousand dollars. You know, there's not, um, there's, there, there is, it's just a pat. It, it's a passionate deal. And I, I can't explain what it is. There's like a mysticism when it comes to diesels. And I don't know what, it, what it is that draws me to them. And I'm sure you don't know what it draws you to it either. But part of the reason for me that draws me to this industry is all the people involved with it. Guys like you and the other guys in the diesel industry, once you meet them, uh, it's like we're all birds of a feather. Like you're just instantly friends because we all have a passionate about these trucks, you know. And I've gone up to guys at gas stations that had a, a obviously some sort of work done to their Power Stroke or their Cummins or their Duramax or something, and just like, like, hey, is that a is that a turbo? Did you add a turbo to that? I'm like, oh yeah. I was like, what kind of turbo did you put on? And you just have a friend for life. You know, like I met um, uh, two kids, I call them kids or college, you know, I'm 37 years old and they're probably 22, 23. They go to, um, uh, here to college in uh, the city that I'm at and, you know, they ran into me at O'Reilly's and both of them are seven, three owners. Both of them have, you know, modified trucks and both of them were uh, super excited, you know, to be able to talk to somebody else about it. And I've had them over at the shop before to hang out. And yeah, if it wouldn't have been for that seven, you know, the guy modifying a seven, three, you know, this white seven, three with the, uh, I think it's got a six, four or six, seven front end on it. Um, you know, I just never would have met that guy. And a lot of times, you know, you go to a gas station and from my car side, if a guy has a cool car, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, what, what kind of cam you got in a motor? I've gotten a lot of questionable responses, <laughs> you know, mind your own business. But diesel guys just as, I mean, they'll open the hood. Yeah, let me show you, you know, or 
uh, I've been on the side of the road too, like in my service truck, I've got this really, really bright wrap on it. And anytime I'm ever on the side of the road, man, I've always got a diesel guy that'll stop just to see if I'm okay. And he might not have a single tool in his truck, but he'll just stop. And it's happened all, you know, constantly. I've never had to walk to get a spare tire. I've never had to walk to the gas station <laughs> because a diesel owner, they see my truck and they think it's diesel and they just see a service truck. And I'm sure, you know, it's kind of the same mentality, but for those of you that don't know, my service truck is a V10, it's a gas motor, not a, it's probably uh, bad words on a diesel podcast, but. <laughs> it's true though. It's, it's like, you know, most vehicles, you know, here in the U.S. aren't diesel and we gravitate towards them for a number of different reasons, but it's like, uh, you know, it's just a, you don't even need to know and you know somebody's name. You just see the truck. You're like, there's another enthusiast, you know, like we're yep. cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you know, when you're. Yeah. You were talking about the career choices in this, and it, it's so so far. I've been an automotive mechanic, a diesel mechanic, and uh, an emissions analyst in the oil field, testing um, uh, the exhaust output of natural gas engines. I've been a YouTuber. I've been all these like different things, um, and the sky's the limit when it comes to getting into this industry. If if you guys at home can can think about the job that you have now that you're not happy with, you you the amount of job availability in your area is probably, you know, for most people, it's probably okay. You know, if you lose a job now, you could probably find another job. It's probably the same kind of job you're not real passionate about. But the mechanic industry is completely different, in my opinion. If you're a good, good mechanic and you understand automotive and gasoline, you understand diesels and you get some hydraulics and equipment knowledge, there's not a single place in this planet that you can't go and you can't be one of the top paid people in that that area. You know, like in my area here, um, the average mechanic in this area, I think is making, you know, like a top paid mechanic is somewhere between 30 and $40 an hour. And that's really, really good for this area. You know, obviously different parts of the world, you know, $30 an hour is not that much in California from what I hear, but here that, that gets you, you know, your middle class. I mean, you're, you're doing really, really well. Um, and anywhere in the world as you go, like I could pack up my, my house right now and move to um, Europe. I can move to uh, South Africa, South America, Alaska, Canada, Greenland, anywhere. And that knowledge is going to uh, traverse no matter, you know, the language barrier, all that stuff. You're going to know how to work on this stuff because it's all nuts and bolts. It's all, you know, similar things. It's just uh, there's so many opportunities, you know, like you said, the, the parts, the sales, the uh, business owners, and a lot of the guys, like a lot of the guys you had on this podcast that I've listened to in this last couple of months, um, you got guys that they're interested in the field, they get into it and they come up with some idea for a widget or for an app or for a uh, a different way to mount that turbo or a different way, you know, to, we could take this part of this turbo and put it on this turbo and we could have a different result and, they go from that and they create an entire company based off of something that you wouldn't believe. You know, if, if somebody told you that, you know, there's companies out there making their entire living, just selling OBS parts, you know, and it's like, what do you do for them? I just sell Ford truck parts, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, like I got a 2015. No, no, no. That's too new for me. Most people are going to think you're insane, but there's guys, you know, like the guys in your podcast that have made a, a massively successful business off of just getting in the industry and going just a slightly different way. But they all got in the industry, you know, kind of the same way of you know, being a mechanic, modifying their own diesel truck, being curious about it, being passionate about it and getting involved. And, and the sky's the limit. It, it, like 
if you want to start your own business, work for yourself, great. If you want a corporate job where you have all the benefits and retirement and insurance and all that stuff, there's fantastic companies out there to work for that'll get you that. And uh, I just can't say enough good things about the industry. And, and fortunately, when you're really, really good, um, you make a name for yourself, you're going to have people seeking you out, offering you things to get you to come work for them. You know, when you make the, that name for yourself in the industry, and that's what you're that's what I've always kind of strive, uh, strive to be and uh, try to get to. And I think a lot of guys are the same way, but whether I ever get there or not, who knows, but I like the, I like the path to get there. I know there's going to be a lot of people that are, are listening and the, the conversation, what we've talked about, they're going to relate to it and they're going to get excited mm-hmm. and they're going to have a lot of questions. And I definitely want to make sure that if, if they do have questions for you or they want to check out just cool videos that you have and, diagnosing and fixing things what is the best way for someone listening to be able to contact you ask a question you know find your channel um, be able to you know look for content that you might apply to their truck or something that they're working on right now so the the biggest platform i have is youtube and it's just stephen cox on youtube uh, and my name is s-t-e-p-h-e-n it's not v uh, if you can't remember that or can't figure it out i have the world's most popular super glue video um, so if you can remember super glue, find the most popular video on YouTube, that's me. And that was an old, <laughs> old video, but, um, I'm on there. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I have a Facebook, uh, personal Facebook page and a channel page in, uh, or email at stevencox 9 at gmail.com. Any one of those, uh, YouTube took away their ability to, you know, send messages on it. So you can't contact me on there, but any of the other ones, uh, you can reach me there. There was a video you had about an oil filter, and I, I was when I was looking at your videos, I'm like, that has 1.2 million views on it. Like, and I watched. I was fascinated watching that video. <laughs> I need to reshoot that one. I So I am very, I don't know if I want to say the brand name on here, but I am very, very anti this one particular filter company. Um, just because I remember in like 1996, I, I was outside, I was changing oil on my uh, Mazda pickup, and I had a this particular, probably the most popular brand of filter in the planet. Um, I took it off, and I was like, you know what, I've never seen the inside of this. And there was no internet back in 95, you know, not, not in that capacity at least. So I took a hacksaw out, cut it open, and looked inside, and I was absolutely astounded by the cheap crap that I found in the filter Um and from that point on, I never bought another one of those filters. And every single engine I've ever came across with one of those filters on it, I've either talked the owner into changing it or I have paid money out of my own pocket just to get the filter off that engine. And I've told, I don't know how many customers, uh, my fleet customers that were running those filters. I look, man, I will take money off of the invoice just so you don't, I don't have to use this crap. I don't like it. I don't agree with the design. They can say that their design is completely... Uh, according to their test equipment, it's the, you know, the creme de la creme, the best ones out there. And I just don't see it. But um, so I made that that video and I want to remake that video because it kind of that was about a year ago, a little over a year ago, maybe two years ago or something, if I remember right. And what's what's crazy about YouTube, if you really want to uh, do something uh, interesting, go to somebody's channel that's been on YouTube for a while. It's been on there for longer than three years. Go back to their very first episode, their very first video. Watch it skip ahead six months, watch it, skip ahead six months and watch it. And then compare, you know, one video from three years ago, a video from two years ago and a video from this year and see how their character and their personalities changed, you know, to 
be a little more relaxed and a little easier for him to do videos at that point. So that particular video, you know, I had some um, nervous habits in the video. I hate watching that. I, I hate watching myself in any of my videos, but that one in particular, I watched it and it was really, really popular, but I'm like, ah, now I want to redo it to make it, you know, to you know, take a little more pride in my work kind of deal. But that's, uh, I, I kind of figured out that that video was going to do well just based on a thumbnail. I kind of thought it was. Um, I have two more videos in that that are a little more popular. The Super Glue one and then another one. And the Super Glue one, I had no idea it would ever be that popular. Like, what are the frustrations with YouTube for you guys that are ever, like, if you're interested or curious to get into YouTube, I do not care how much money you spend on a video. I don't care how much videographer you do. I don't care how good of a cinematographer you are, how scripted you are, or anything. You cannot control if your video is going to go viral or not. Um, you can do every single thing right that you can possibly think of and know in your heart that it's going to do well and it's going to bomb. Um, for whatever reason, the videos that I just slapped together and don't put that much time into have made me the most successful and the most views and the most money off YouTube. And that super glue one is, is the, uh, uh, the perfect example. I started uh, that particular video. I hadn't made a video in about a month, a month and a half. And I was talking to that YouTuber that got me into it. I was arguing with my wife that day. It was a couple of years ago. Um, I don't think I had started. I don't think I'd quit the mobile heavy equipment repair yet and just went YouTube. So it was right in that climactic point of our relationship. Um, I was talking to a YouTuber and he says, look, man, just put a video up. It doesn't matter. Grab something crap off your truck and just make a video. And I go, well, I've been trying to, I've been thinking about this super glue trick that I want to do. So I started filming that video finished it, edited the video, including the time to upload it to YouTube, a total investment of about 45, 46 minutes. I, I uploaded it. I picked a, a title that I thought my subscribers would think was funny. And I didn't even think about it at all for a couple of days. And I kept getting these notifications. And I was like, I woke up one morning and it's like, you have, you know, 96 notifications. I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> so the next day I woke up, you have 750 notifications and 900 comments. I was like, what? So by day three, it had a million views. I had three death threats and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I disabled the comments on it because of all the death threats. And it was just, it was going nuts. And uh, it just continued to, to just uh, snowball and just never stopped. And even now... I looked at the analytics the other day. It was two years ago. And I think a, a total amount on that video, I've made $51,000 just off that video. So it was a, a 45 minute investment that's netted me, you know, $51,000 in over two and a half, three years. It's so crazy to think about too. It's just like it, that <clears throat> when you were mentioning like the thumbnail and, and that stuff and like, you think it's going to be this huge thing and it's not. And then you do this other one and it just goes crazy. And it's like, whatever that zone is, whatever, when the stars align that way, mm -hmm. it's really cool. It's just hard to like, how do you do that all the time? <laughs> you know, you can't, it's, it's, you know, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's definitely YouTubers that, and here's the biggest problem. This is another issue that, um, uh, a couple things on my channel that I try to do. One, I show all the major mistakes that I do on my channel because I want the guy at home that's curious about getting into this industry, seeing a guy like me that's been doing it for you know 16 years. And if you watch my video and you see me screw up, hopefully something clicks in your head like, okay, if this dude's been doing it for 16 years and he's screwing it up, um, there's no reason that I can't. You know, you know the, the guy that doesn't have any experience that could hop off in it, but... 
there's this weird thing that we all do whenever you see somebody that's a professional doing what they're doing and they're making it look easy. We look at it like, well, how come mine's not working? How come like when you first start a YouTube channel, you're looking for a thousand views. But if you go look at like some of the big, huge, like PewDiePie's and Casey Neistat's and stuff, every video they have has a million views and you're like, oh, I'm never going to get there. I just might as well not even try it. But you know, you just start and you start small and you set your goal small. Do not set your goal for this stuff based on other people that you see and like making a viral video. Well, viral is, is a relative term. You know, to me, a viral video has to get a million views over a course of 30 days. Some people consider a viral video 20,000 views if your channel is only averaging 500 views. So if your average is only getting 500,000, 20,000 is a viral video for your channel. For me, a viral video for my channel is a million views right now, you know, so it's all subjective. So don't look at that video as like, oh man, I'll never, I'll never be there. You know, it's like just, it'll happen and you just can't control that. You know, in my opinion, there's no way to control it on YouTube. It's just kind of a, uh, a luck and skill and you just do the best job that you can. You put it up there and if it does great, fantastic. If it doesn't do great. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't, you know, don't beat yourself up over it. Just move on to the next video. Try to make some adjustments and try something different. And if that doesn't work, then study and, and try to change it a little bit more and keep doing that until you find your your tempo and your beat on YouTube or anything else, you know, even the mechanic world. And, you know, next couple or within a couple of years, you'll be an expert at it and you'll, you'll be looking at the same deal. And I think about that all the time with the YouTube channel because – I remember when getting 5,000 views was just so remarkable to me. I was like, holy crap, that means there's 5,000 people out there that watched me, that watched my video. I was interesting enough for them to click on and watch it. And it's like crazy. You know, and now it's up to, you know, 100,000 views or a million views, you know, to where I, I kind of get that shock factor. And everybody does it. You know, it's, you start off in a mechanic job at 20 bucks an hour, and that might blow your mind because you've only made 10 bucks an hour up until this point. But then you work in the industry for five years and you're making $27 an hour and you're like, well, yeah, it doesn't really seem like it's that much money now. But, you know, so it's all relative to where you're at in the, uh, uh, the journey. And there is a, there's a lot of good, a lot of good advice and, and a lot of, of questions that uh, our listeners pose and, and people who are interested in, in either you know, doing content creation or in having a career in diesel or being involved in sales, marketing, engineering that we touched on. And it was really cool to be able to chat with you and hear your stories. It's, it's one that, you know, when I heard it, it's like, it, it inspired me. It, it got me excited and it's truthful and it's honest. And that's what I know people want to hear before they make a career change or before they put themselves out there and put a video camera in front of themselves and show themselves working on something that, you know, they want the truth and they want to just, they don't want it sugarcoated. They want to know, you know, how hard was it? What, you know, what, what is disappointment like? How many times do I have to bug somebody for that job? How many times do I mm -hmm. need to fail before I figure out how to do it? So it was really cool to chat with you, Stephen. And I definitely want to do another episode where we go into some of the mechanical things, some of the the Power Stroker Cummins, Duramax stuff that you're coming across and be able to take some feedback from our listeners and say, hey, can you have Steven on? And you know, I saw this video he did working on you know, this Power Stroke. Can you guys talk more about that? So um, i definitely like to have you back on, chat with us. I, I appreciate your your insights and I love your channel. Subscribe to it. And yeah, thanks, I man. Just, I pretty, pretty much binge watch it. So I just put it on. <laughs> 
doing podcast stuff and, uh, and I'm watching what you're doing or, you know, things you're working on. Yeah, I like it, man. Um, I'd love to come back and I, uh, I'd love to talk about, you know, I have a, uh, 2001 Ford 73 project I'm doing now. I've got a 2006, 2,500, five, nine common, five, nine common rail that, um, I pulled the trans. I bought it from another YouTuber. Pulled the transmission out, and I'm in. I have a couple of sponsors for that build. Um, uh, Sonex uh, sponsored some parts. Um, Precision in New Hampton sponsored the torque converter, and Don Elfer with dynamic dynamic transmissions rebuilt the uh, valve body, and that whole project is going together. That that truck was dynoed here in Texas at like I think five hundred and I want to say five fifteen or five eighty to the wheels. I can't remember which one it is. Somewhere around there. And uh, the guy that had it from me, the other YouTuber, uh, was driving around it and snapped the input shaft. And now it's in pieces in my shop waiting to be put back together. And hopefully we can talk about, you know, talk about the projects in the future. For sure. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll put something together and, uh, you know, put a link to your YouTube channel and, uh, when uh, we release the podcast. And, like I said, really appreciate your time today. Yeah, no problem, man. Absolutely. I'll, uh, I'm going to shout out the Diesel Podcast on the YouTube channel and hopefully um, – uh, inspire some of these guys to, I've been wanting to do a podcast for a while, man. So I just, I really, really appreciate you getting back to me. And I, I really, really appreciate all the companies that put up money to have this podcast happen. And the guys that I don't even know about that are in, in, in the background of this thing to, to allow it to happen, to make it happen, to help it happen. And, uh, it means a lot to me because it's, it's other guys that are interested in this industry that are, doing everything that we can to try to make this industry as, as great and as fantastic and as profitable as pro- possible for everybody involved in it. You know, it's just a, it's a great community and I can't wait to um, uh, get to know some of these uh, uh, company owners and shop owners that you've had on the, the podcast and everything, get to know and get to talk to them and hopefully do some um, uh, collaborations with them, things like that, man. It's, but I really, really appreciate you doing it. I really, really appreciate you reaching out to me and then uh, let me talk your ear off on a, <laughs> on the podcast. I had a blast. It was, it was awesome. And, uh, and I know, you know there's a bunch of messages sitting in our inbox right now where guys were asking, um, and gals too, asking for advice on, Hey, how do I get into this? What should I do? Um, what are some tips you'd give me? And he definitely answered that and gave us some things to, to think about and, and uh, get some more people involved in diesel and, and continue this, uh, this community and industry to, to grow. Absolutely, man. If anybody out there, um, if you have a question, just write me on Instagram or uh, Facebook or at stephencox09 at gmail.com. I'll try to answer everything. The only thing that I ask is I'm sure the uh, a lot of you guys get this. I can't diagnose your, your vehicles over the email over or over the phone. So as long as it's not something to do with that, if you need help getting in the industry or some advice or something, I, I try to respond to every single person that writes me and asks me a legitimate question like that, you know, as far as, Hey, how do you know, what's your advice? You know, I'm, I'm struggling with this to get into this industry. What do you, what do you think I should do? You know, we'll try to figure it out, man. And, and if there's, if, it, if it's, if I have any way to help anybody get in this industry, um, I'm, I'm willing to do it and willing to try to put in the time and the effort to make it happen. Don't forget diesel fans, make sure and subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, any of the podcast apps that are out there. We've got a ton of really cool episodes coming up with RevMax, BD, Dynamite Diesel, Dan's Diesel Performance, a whole bunch of different companies covering topics that you guys have asked us to cover, whether it's older trucks, new trucks, performance, daily driving, towing. If it pertains to diesels, we're going to be talking about it. Till next time, keep the shiny side up.